This is Chris from Play Comics, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 125, Movie Songs. Chris McBride, along with Derek Myers, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast. For the generations, you're going to find Derek at Amaron underscore DM on Twitter, and there you will find me at C McBrien. And popgoesyourworld.com is our website for all of our contact information. Before we get started this week, Derek, what's new in your world, my friend? Well, pop culture related, mm-hmm. we had the Oscars between the last show and this show. Oh, yes. I can't wait and to get to this. Parasite won. The best, fi- the best film, best director, best international film, and best screenplay. And I was never happier to lose my Oscar pool than when Parasite took all those awards and, and I got three of the four of those wrong. I think it was a lock that it was going to win international. But uh, I had other movies for those other three, which were the different make- difference makers. I lost. I was still ecstatic to lose because Parasite was a great movie and it shows – at least marginal progression by the voting body of the Academy Awards that they would uh, pick a foreign film as their best film of the year. Um, yeah. So if you haven't seen Parasite, I strongly encourage you to go out and see it. It was fantastic. And uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. What? Uh, how are things with you? And, oh, and things are record. Going. Yep. You and I, every year at the Oscars, mm-hmm. we have a little friendly bet. Oh, I'm going to bring it up. Our... Oh, I'm yeah. going to bring it up. Don't uh, worry. I, I did not win this year. I got it in front of me. Yes. One thing first, though, about the movie Parasite. So tomorrow is Valentine's Day. So I said to my wife, what do you want to do for Valentine's Day? I was able to get a babysitter and said, we can go out. And she said, I think I'd like to go uh, to the movie theater and see Parasite. And I'm like, you know what? I've had a real effect on my wife because she, I never would have thought that, you know, her suggestion for Valentine's Day would be, let's go watch a South Korean film with subtitles, you know? So it's just great. So we're going to go see that. But yeah, in regard to the Oscars itself. So you're right. Every year, you and I fill out an Oscar ballot and we battle it out. I've been doing it for years with local friends around here. And I always win every year. I win all the money and everyone's always mad at me. And so the last couple of years since we've been doing the podcast, you and I have done it. And, uh, it was interesting because I'm following along at the Oscars. I got both of our ballots and I'm kind of going through it. I'm keeping score. And there was only a couple, there was like maybe four that we had that were different. Other than that, we had all the same yeah, picks. A lot of the same picks. Yeah. Which I figured because we, we, we both we sort of came the from stuff. the same background, right? We did our homework. Yeah. We sort of looked at the same sources. I mean, I've seen, I had seen all, uh, eight of the nine best picture nominees. I, I'll be honest. I didn't see little women cause it's not really my thing. I couldn't mm-hmm. care less. And I, I honestly didn't think it had a chance of winning. But I saw the other eight movies, so I felt I was in good shape. Mm-hmm. And then we, so we, we were getting along, going along, and then we were, I, I was ahead, you know, for most of the night, and then you got close, and then it got to the point where you were one behind me, and we were going into uh, Best Director, and we both got Best Director wrong. We both had Sam Mendes, and he yep. lost, obviously, uh, to Bong Jung. Uh, ho, right? It's for Parasite. So that was a surprise. We both lost. So then we we're going into Best Picture and I was one ahead of you. So I knew I I couldn't lose, but we had a different Best Picture choice. So I thought at the very worst, you could tie me, 
but you can't beat me. So we might have a tie. And I went with, uh, or you, sorry, you picked uh, 1917 and I picked, and I picked Parasite and then Parasite won. So I was like so happy. So I was able to beat you by two. Now I just wanted to bring up, so it was exciting for me to follow along. Um, but I wanted to bring up the fact that we did have a wager too. So if you remember last episode, we said that the wager would be, if you win, I will send you a Batman comic book. And if I win, you have to send me a Richie Rich comic book. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I so forgot. we did say that. our high stakes gambling yeah. going on. And it is high stakes because I want Richie Rich number one from 1960 and it's valued at $8,000. Uh, I'll see what I can do. All right. Well, I, you... I bought a lotto ticket. If it comes in, <laughs> you got your Richie Rich. Richie Rich. You could have had, had a few dollars towards your kid's college fund, but you want a comic book? Yeah. I'll get you the comic if I win the $55 million. If you win the $55 million, I get Richie Rich and then and you'll be Richie Rich. I'll so be, it'll be Richie awesome. Rich, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Here we go. your head counselor i did not enjoy this anymore the second time <laughs> what's going on what's wrong I've never seen it oh, never wow. interested in seeing it no desire to see it was not interested at all okay, well, i paid 200 dollars for these shoes but i mean on the best it's certainly tame by today's standards there's a very fat pair of pants hanging from the flagpole this morning it is not something i think i ever need to see again oh matt damon matt damon Okay, so this week we decided to do a top five list and we wanted to take a look at uh, movie songs. And one of the reasons why it kind of came to my mind, as we were just talking about, I was watching the Oscars and you know how they always have the in memoriam thing, you know, of all the people that passed away. And it was, yep. you know, that's always good. And then, but then they did another, a little bit and it was about songs in movies and how they, you know, they were showing how certain songs are just so synonymous with films. And, and, and I was like, you know what? That's a really good idea for for doing the uh, like a topic on the show. Like, let, let's talk about this. So that's kind of where I got the idea from. But I, I kind of I want to turn it over for you to you for a minute. Like, what are your thoughts on this topic, just in general, before we get into it? Yeah, and that was the same thing that had inspired me. Uh, they did this montage, love it or hate it. It was the idea was the song is so iconic that when you hear the song, you think of the movie, and when you watch the movie. Uh, you know that the movie's not complete until the song is played. And one of the ones, uh, well, again, I'm sure that some of the ones from the Oscar montage, and I believe there was about 25 movies on that list, will be covered in your list and in my list. Mm -hmm, Probably, Uh, yeah. And and yeah, that that was sort of the criteria I used. The other thing that that I had in mind, because when I'm putting this list together, it was a long list. Like there's a lot of songs when you hear them, you're like, oh, that's totally that. You hear the song, that's the movie. So I had to figure out a way to narrow it down a bit. So we agreed the song has to have lyrics because one of the first songs that came to mind for me was Axel F by Harold Fultemeyer from the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack. Oh, yeah. So good. Again, you hear those notes. It's synonymous with the movie. Immediately think Beverly Hills Cop. Um, Or um, uh, one of the other ones I was thinking of was Oh Yeah by Yellow from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Again, not really a radio hit, but when you hear that song and you are of a certain age, it reminds you of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So again, the movie, the, the the song rather had to have lyrics to to qualify. The other thing I wanted to try and avoid mm-hmm. were songs where the song had the title of the movie in it, or it was an actual musical. So, for example, I eliminated songs like Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. Okay, or Purple Rain by Prince, because those are songs where the title of the movie is the title of the song, or the title of the movie is part of the title of the song, or is mentioned in the song. You know, there's there's a few like that. Men in Black by Will Smith, another good example. I like the song. 
I liked the movie, but of course, when you hear the song Men in Black, you think of the movie Men in Black. It's got the same title. So that was another way that I further uh, narrowed down my list. Now, that wasn't a hard, fast rule, so you may have a couple that fall into that category, but you know, there was other a couple others like Singing in the Rain. Again, more of a musical, so mm-hmm. of course the music is going to be memorable. But I was trying to think of songs that were like big radio hits, songs that you might even still hear on the radio today. And for some of those oldie goldies, I have no idea. Like Somewhere Over the Rainbow, Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. Good song, definitely. You, you associate the two, but I don't know if it was a radio hit way back when. Who the heck knows? So – Anyway, yeah. those were sort of the criteria I used to put my list together. And and as always, when we do our lists, we're not qualifying them by uh, how much money did they make? How long were they on the charts? Uh, you know, that kind of thing. It, it, we're, we're talking about our personal preferences right. and ones that have a significant impact to us. Now, I do have a couple on my list that I just felt were so important and so iconic. They had to be on the list, even though they may not be my all-time favorites. But I felt they absolutely deserved to be on the list, and I wanted to talk about them. So yeah, my I didn't I wasn't I didn't have quite as hard and fast rules, you know, for mine. I instead I like I didn't. It wasn't important to me that it was like a radio hit or something. It was just more like I was inspired by watching that bit on the Oscars and thinking, yeah, what are the songs that when I just like when I think of the movie, I think of the song, or when I hear the song, I think of the movie, or yes. or that it's just so important. It's such an important part of the movie that the movie wouldn't be complete without that song in it in some way, and that's kind of the approach that I took. But uh, this is going to be interesting to see what they are. So why don't you kick us off? We'll do our top five list, start at five, all the way up to one. Your number five movie song, go. All right, my number five yes. movie song is Maniac oh, by Michael oh, Sambello yes. from the movie Flashdance from Love 1983. It. Now, I'll tell you, I was a little surprised that most of my picks are in the Chris category in yes, that they're Gen from X. the Gen X. Yeah, I have. Nice. I have. Again, I don't want to spoil the list, but it's disproportional Gen X on my list. So anyway, my number Love five, it. Maniac, Michael Cimbello. It's got the great video where she's dancing. And, uh, you know, again, the song and, and I actually heard this song today. It came on uh, my my I was listening to 80s music while I was at work today. And this came on. Nice. And again, it's one of those songs you hear those first few notes. And you immediately think of the movie. You immediately think of the video, the trailer, the, uh, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to hear the song and not, it's some part of your mind, think about this movie. Uh, honestly, the movie itself, in my opinion, not great. No, it wasn't. It's, and it certainly doesn't hold up. Yeah. Um, it was kind of dumb. Yeah. But the songs, I mean, it had a great soundtrack. Uh, again, there's the, the actual Flashdance song, Oh, What a Feeling, yeah. brackets Flashdance by Irene Cara. So again, because it had Flashdance in the title, I crossed it one off the list. You crossed and it out. I don't really like that song nearly as much as I like this Maniac. This Maniac song was a big hit. It reached number one on the Billboard charts uh, for two weeks. Uh, it was on the charts for many weeks beyond that. It was big in 83, and that was sort of an impressionable time for me where music was starting to become a big deal. I would have been about uh, eight or nine years old at that point, and I can remember – uh, watching the weekly top 30 video show. And in those early episodes, when I very first started watching that maniac was on the charts constantly and, and the video was in heavy rotation. So for me, my number five pick movie, movie music is, uh, is maniac by Michael Cimbello from the movie flash dance. Very good. I like that one. And I like the fact that it's gen X. So I'm going back a little bit earlier than that. And my number five was actually, I believe was in the montage on the Oscars. And, and this is, I have of, the list right here. So I'll tell you. Yeah. It was Mrs. Robinson from the graduate from 67. I know you don't like this movie, Derek. We've talked about this and I had my wife watch it with me a few months back and she didn't like it either. I don't care. 
because I like this movie. And Anne Bancroft is just amazing in this film. Amazing. And this song really complements the character. It complements the script. It complements the flow of the film. The song tells a story about the character and it's used in the middle of the movie as he's having an affair with her. And it was funny because Mike Nichols, the director of the film, obviously, uh, he loved Simon and Garfunkel, even though they were they were pretty new on the music scene at the time, like in 66 when they were making the film. And they actually pitched this song to him that they wrote for the movie. And needless to say, Nichols loved it, you know, right away. And it's interesting because, you know, the, the lyric, well, it's not even a lyric. It's like the dee, 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 dee. Like yeah. they did that because they didn't have any lyrics for a verse yet. And, and it just worked. So they kept it in the song and they use <clears throat> Cuckoo Cachoo in it, which is obviously an homage to Beatles the Beatles. Yeah. I am the walrus. And then, of course, the famous line in it is where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? And Paul Simon was actually a big fan of Mickey Mantle. But the lyric required a name that had four syllables so mantle didn't work so he used joe dimaggio he used dimaggio and at one point uh dimaggio talked to paul simon about it and he couldn't figure out why paul simon asked in the song where have you gone because dimaggio was like well i didn't go anywhere i didn't go away and i i think it's just more of an acknowledgement that dimaggio was like an american hero and this was right. during a time when they needed more American heroes. That you know? was how I've always understood yeah. that lyric. Although, yeah. I mean, you could say that even more so today. You know, yeah. where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio, indeed. But when I think of this song, I think of this movie. When I think of this movie, I think of this song. That's why it's my number five. On to your number four. Nice. Good pick. And it was on the montage. So. Oh, it was so, such a good movie. Or, such All a right. good movie. It's a good song. My number four is a very personal choice for me. The song is In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel from the movie oh, Say Anything from nice. 1989. That was in the montage too, wasn't it? It was not actually. I thought it was. I thought uh, I, I saw on, him with check, the boombox. Let me check my list. I remember Kusak uh, holding up the boombox. Yes, the Say montage. Anything. Yeah. Yes, it is. So... Um, I love the song. I'm a big fan of Peter Gabriel. We actually got a chance to uh, see him perform live. He was doing a tour with Sting, I believe, a wow. couple of years ago. That would have been were good. Perform- well, it was a great show because in addition to doing their own songs, they did a few covers of the other guy's songs. And then they did a few songs together. So it was a really, really good show. And, and we've been seeing a lot of concerts lately, especially of like 70s and 80s bands that are going back out on tour. And they're doing Howard Jones, right? You would see. Well, among others, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) These older these older acts realize some of their fans have seen them a dozen times before. And how do you convince someone to come and see you again if you haven't put out new music in a while? And this is this is what I'm seeing with a lot of these uh, these older performers. Is this is the kind of thing they're doing? They're doing covers of different songs. They're doing reinterpretations of their greatest hits. Or in the case where they're touring with other artists, they're they're doing new compilations uh, of their of their older hits. So anyway, uh, back to this one though. Peter Gabriel in your eyes. This has always been my favorite Peter Gabriel song. Uh, Say anything is is a movie I really enjoyed. Um, but when my wife and I uh, started dating, this was one of her favorite songs as well. And when we got married, this was the song we walked down the aisle to uh, at her insistence. And of course, I had no objection. And so for me, it's it's personal in that sense, too. And I think I'm probably not the only one that has used this song in their wedding in some way, shape or form. Um, it's, you know, the song lends itself nicely to that. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it only peaked at number 26 on the chart, so it never made it to number one. But it's one of those songs where, like like I've said with the last one, when you hear it, uh, if you're of a certain age, you hear the song, you immediately think of Roy, uh, is Roy Dobler, Lloyd Dobler holding up the, uh, the boom box yep. 
Uh, like that's the iconic scene from the movie. And this is the song that's playing on the boombox. Uh, one, one is as important as the other. Like if you watch the movie, this is the scene you're waiting for and you're like, Oh, there it is. Oh yeah. That song's awesome. So my number four is in your eyes by Peter Gabriel. And wasn't it Ioni sky that was in the movie yeah. and she never really did anything else. Right. It's unfortunate. Cause wow. I watched a video on YouTube this week mm-hmm. where someone had done, uh, they basically summarize the entire film in the four minutes that the song takes place. It's not an actual, it's not a trailer. They, they mm-hmm. literally splice together the pieces of the movie cool. to show you the entire movie in four minutes to the song of in your eyes. And so I, and it was, uh, like a special high, super high definition. Like it looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching it the other day going, wow, she was absolutely beautiful. Oh, like yeah. I couldn't get over how pretty she was. Major and crush. I, I, yeah. I started thinking about that. I'm like, I wonder what she's doing now. <laughs> I didn't think to look her up because I'll be honest. I was looking at work when I was on my lunch and I didn't have time. But um, but yeah, anyway, my number four, In Your Eyes. Very good. Hey, Gabriel, I like that one. Anything. Okay, so mine is a, is, is a song. It's a little bit of a, an obscure one, I think. Uh, but it's It Might Be You from Tootsie from 1982. As I mentioned before, for me, the best songs intertwine completely with the movie in which they're in. And... I've mentioned on the show here before, I love the movie Tootsie. And this song plays into the film so, so, so good. So it comes right as Hoffman, as Dorothy Michaels. He goes away with Julie, Jessica Lange's character, to her family farm. And Hoffman starts to fall in love with her. And all the complications that come with that. And this song plays. And it's just... In the at the moment when it just starts playing, it's just so good. It's such a major. It's a, a very impactful part of the movie. <clears throat> but um, the song was written by Dave Grusin, and it was sung by Stephen Bishop. Now he isn't really known for a lot of other songs, but he was the guy in Animal House on the stairs of the frat party during the toga party. Remember sure. the charming guy with the guitar? He sang, uh, I gave my love a cherry. And then John Belushi grabs the guitar and smashes the hell out of it. And then he says, sorry. That's, so that's Stephen Bishop. But anyway, so he sang this song, It Might Be You. And Tootsie, it was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Song. Wow. It lost to Up Where We Belong from Officer and a Gentleman. Fair enough. So that's fair. Yeah, I can take yeah. that. But there's just something about this song. Um. Like I say, when it appears in the movie, for me, you're watching the movie and then this song just takes the film to another level. And it's an amazing song because it speaks to what it's like to be alone in your life and watching other people and wondering, how did they meet? Like, will I ever meet someone? And then realizing that the person in front of you might just be the one. <laughs> and it's, so it's a really powerful song and it plays so well in the movie. I love this song. I love this movie. My number four. What do you got for nice. number three? All right. Now we're getting into real super ultra mega mega hits zone. Here. Okay. My number three pick, Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins from Top Gun, nice. 1986. Nice. There is no one I know that is familiar with this song that if you played it, they wouldn't immediately go, hey, the Top Gun Top song. Top Gun, yep. Top Gun song. Like, <laughs> even before they say, is this Danger Zone? They would more than likely you would hear them say, this is a song from Top Gun. It's you can't think of one without the other. And the the song just amps you up. It's it's like it's a, a rock anthem in the best way. It's uh, you know, I mean, in, in Top Gun, they have the um, I think it's called Wings of Wings of Gold, maybe Wings, something Wings, where it's more of the instrumental theme that they use throughout the movie. But 
when Danger Zone comes on, it's like, oh man, someone's going to fly go. some jets and shoot some bad guys. <laughs> gets you right in the mood. You just get pumped up. You want to cheer and yell. And it's the kind of song you want to hear at like a football game. We're like, yeah, we're in the Danger Zone, baby. <laughs> just going for it. And and again, it's such a great song. Kenny Loggins is a good songwriter. Like he's, oh, yeah, he was And he's great. had a lot of hits with movie soundtracks. And, you know, it was uh, this this song's great. It holds up. Uh, it's in heavy rotation on probably any 80s channel you can find. And, of course, the video is full of Tom Cruise flying fighter jets. Mm-hmm. So that's so much to love about it. It just gets you amped up. But I was surprised to learn it never reached number one. It, the highest it ranked was number two on the Billboard charts. Right. But uh, 1986, <laughs> all you were hearing were songs from the Top Gun soundtrack and Danger Zone, my favorite uh, that's my number three pick. Oh, I like that. That one's a good one. Okay, so my number three, I'm going back again, as I want to do, back to Gen X. And it's the best that you can do. It's also known as Arthur's theme from Arthur from 1981. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, that god-awful remake that they made a couple of years ago with Russell Brand, right? God, so bad. But the 1981 film with Dudley Moore is so good. And the thing is, when you think about that movie, by all rights, it shouldn't be good. Like, it's about this rich, spoiled brat who's an alcoholic. And you shouldn't really give two craps about this guy. But the performances in the film are so good that it it just lifts the movie up. And it, and it makes it something that it really has no right to be. But in addition to the performances in this movie, the song plays such a huge part of the film. Like, it sets the tone. And it talks about living your life kind of one day at a time and having fun. And then one day you meet her and everything changes. And the best that you can do is fall in love. And the song actually took home the best uh, Oscar for best song in 81. It was up against some pretty good competition because it was up against For Your Eyes Only and Endless Love. So, you know, it won against them. That's good. But again, like for me, this is an example of a song that is completely intertwined with the movie. Like, I cannot imagine this movie without the song, and I can't imagine the song without the movie. So, it's my number three. Number nice. two. Nice. Nice. Good pick. All right. So, uh, if you thought that uh, Danger Zone was a big commercial success <laughs> right? rock and roll anthem, what get ready got? for the next one. A few years earlier, we had Eye of the Tiger by Survivor <laughs> from Rocky Three. Eye of the Tiger. Come on, man. If that song doesn't get you pumped up, it was the movie. You can't think of Rocky. You can't think of Rocky at all. Like, even though it didn't wasn't in any of the movies in one and two, it didn't like Rocky three is when you got the Eye of the Tiger song. But now when you hear someone's talking about Rocky, you think of the the actual you think of that. But you also think of Eye of the Tiger. Um, And it's just it was such an iconic hit. I, uh, the Survivor album, the actual LP, the 12-inch record, was one of the very first records I ever got. I still have it to this day. It's upstairs in the closet, although I don't have a turntable. Um, I loved this song as a kid. I knew then and still know all the words. And it just – it's – it's again, it's like – it's very much like Danger Zone in the sense that it's an anthem. It's a rock anthem. It gets you pumped up. It gets you psyched up. When you go to sporting events, they play it all the time like rocky's a sports movie right it's the 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 little guy does good and beats the crap out of the villain and it's like the song just puts you in that that mood in that mindset when you hear it and uh 
again, it's it's uh, unfortunately Survivor sort of one hit wonder. They never really had any big hits, but this hit was huge. And uh, in 1982, it reached number one on the charts. It was there for six weeks. Uh, it was it was great. And and you hear it all the time. Again, I listen to a lot of 80s stream streaming services. And this one, I probably hear it three or four times a week. It is always played. I love it. I never skip over it. I the Tiger by Survivors, my number two. Great pick. Remember when I mentioned it might be you from Tootsie and how it yes. lost to Up Where We Belong uh, that year for the Oscars? I the Tiger was also nominated that year. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. surprise me. It like, was great. That was a good one. Okay, so my number two, I'm going with a song from Footloose, but it's not the one you might think. It's not It's not the, the, the title song, Footloose. No, it's Let's Hear It For The Boy. From Footloose. Really? Yeah. Really? When, when, and this is why. When I think of the 80s, yeah. and there's a lot of great songs. And there's a lot of songs that I hear that immediately make me think of the 80s. But I think one of my all-time favorite songs from the 80s is this one. If this song doesn't make you want to get up and dance, or at the very least, if you hear this song and it doesn't make you feel good or put a smile on your face, I don't know what to say. Maybe you're the Grinch and your heart is two sizes too small. I love how this song is used in the film. So, oh, and again, I should point out, you know, obviously this is another great 80s movie that they totally killed by making a crappy remake. But the original, the original, man, it's actually a really great movie. And the scene when Sean Penn's character is trying to learn how to dance and the montage. um, uh, The other pen. Chris Penn. Oh, Chris Penn. I'm sorry, Sean Penn. Chris Penn. When uh, when, when they, they do that montage of Kevin Bacon trying to teach him all the moves and his parents are like in the kitchen and the light fixture is like rocking back and forth because he's upstairs stomping around in his room trying to learn how to dance. It's just all so great. And it just makes you feel so good when you hear the song and you see that scene in the context of the film. Uh, it was nominated for an Oscar for Best Song in 84 along with uh, Footloose you know, from the same movie. And it was also up against Ghostbusters and Against All Odds, but they all lost a really good pack of songs. That's a good, yeah. Who did they lose to? It lost to I Just Called to Say I Love You by Stevie Wonder from The Woman in Red. Woman in Red. Yeah. Yeah. Not a great movie, but a great song. Great song. But, you know, you don't have to win an Oscar in my books to be one of my favorite songs ever in a movie. And this one sure is. I love this song. That's my number two. On to your number one, my friend. Yeah. I I mean, it's a good pick, but uh, yeah, that's, it's one of those songs that I sort of have a love-hate relationship with. I like you when I hear Why it, I that? think, of the early 80s. Yeah. I just – it sort of wavers. When it was big, I really liked it. And then as a little bit of time passed, I'm like, eh, I don't really care for this song so much. And I'm sort of still in that camp right now where I'm like, eh, it's okay. It's one of my favorite 80s songs. I don't know. There's wow, just really? About, I love that song. It's just – there's just something about it that's very uplifting. I don't know. And I know it's surprising because when you think of Footloose, I think a lot of people think of the song Footloose. And yeah, rightly so. I get sure. it. But yeah. this this is the song for me. I love that song so much. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Number one, uh, what do you got? All right. So before I jump to number one, yes. uh, I want to just say, uh, and I, I should have said this off the top here, was there were a couple of songs that I felt would have normally been on my top five. But mm-hmm. in previous episodes, we spent a lot of time talking about them. So I didn't really feel that we needed to tread on that all over again. So these songs would have been Bohemian Rhapsody from the Wayne's World movie. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Power Love by Hugh Lewis in the News from Back to the Future. Absolutely. And uh, from the Blues Brothers, Everybody Wants Somebody to Love. Everybody Needs Somebody to Love. Needs Somebody yeah. to Love. Thank you. Sorry. When they're at I'm the Palace split. Hotel Ballroom. Yeah. Yep. I, and I, lo- I love I love that. So, again, 
we, we've talked about all three of those songs and all three of those movies on different podcasts. So mm-hmm. I just thought, you know what, let's, let's go with something. So I sort of crossed those off my list, but all three of those were on my short list for, for quite a while, but okay. Going on to my number one, it's the only one I have on my list. that's not from the eighties. I know it's not on your list cause it's from the nineties, <laughs> not necessarily my personal favorite song, but there's no way we could do this list without this being my number one and arguably the number one from the biggest movie ever, the biggest song ever, My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion yeah. from Titanic. Yeah, that's a good Again, pick. It, this was a juggernaut of a song. Considering that my last two were like, you know, stomp your feet and shake your fist and pump your, you know, like get pumped up as a rock anthem. And it's like, just like, yeah, it's like this one, the total opposite. You know, it's just a quiet love song and it's got these melodies. You know, Celine Dion's such a gifted singer. She's hitting those high notes and it's this, you know, it's this love song. My heart will go on and it's it's about tragedy and it's, uh, you know, it, it it has everything that you would want in a movie like Titanic where it's about these, you know, these lovers that can't be together but have this limited time and ultimately the ship's going to sink. The song is a beautiful song. The performance is a beautiful performance. And man, oh man, in 1997 and 1998, this song was everywhere and at the time i was working at the blockbuster video and when titanic was released on video it was every bit as much a smash success as it was when it was released in theater well maybe not to that extent but it was definitely one of the best video releases i saw in my four or five years working at blockbuster we couldn't keep it on the shelf everyone wanted to buy a copy everyone wanted to rent a copy um for those who maybe are a little too young to remember when you went into a video store uh there was in blockbusters anyway instead of just playing movies they had trailer uh like special blockbuster head office made these trailers every month and they had partnerships with entertainment tonight and they were like little two three hour movie clips uh, or like um commercials and so at the first of the month you would get a video a a batch of these videos and and you would just rotate them through your in-store player over and over and over again for the month and they were full of commercials and suggestions rent this movie and here's a spotlight on on Al Pacino this month and they would show you clips from all his movies and then here's a spotlight on Julia Roberts and here's clips from all her movies this month well they also interspersed it with music videos from popular song from popular movies that had just come out and because Blockbuster was selling CDs as well it would be like and now featuring uh, you know a song from this artist because their CD just came out when Titanic came out they didn't bother advertising anything else it was all titanic all the time so you had this three hours of movie trailers on three different cassettes on three different video cassettes and every 10 to 15 minutes you would get a music song which was typical with the way that the formula of how these things worked but when titanic was big every song was the titanic song so every 10 to 15 minutes you got celine dion belting out at the top of her lungs my heart will go on with you know the video from the from the song which had clips of the movie And it was just, you couldn't come into a blockbuster, get in the door, find the movie you wanted, get to the counter, pay for it and get out the door without hearing this song. Like it was, they were that close together that you couldn't escape it. And it worked because we sold a ton of soundtracks and a ton of videos. But as someone who worked at the video store, man, oh man, it started to grind on you real fast. (laughs) And I wasn't alone on that. The head office had to release a memo about two weeks after these videos came out to all stores saying Blockbuster is contractually obligated to play these commercial videos. You are not allowed to fast forward through any parts of it, a.k.a. the song. (laughs) You are not allowed to 
decide you don't feel like playing them anymore and play a movie and and you are not allowed to play last month's because you don't like what's in this month's. <laughs> and they had to issue this memo a couple of times because people in the stores were going bananas. They're like, if I hear that song one more time, I'm going to punch someone in the face. And it was everywhere. And as much as it sort of grinded on our nerves, it the song was huge. Like, it, I can't emphasize how big this song was when it came out. It was everywhere. You can't think of the movie without hearing the the, the notes and the lyrics of the song. You can't hear the song without thinking of the movie. This is every. This is the, our podcast this week. This sums it up in a nice little box. My heart will go on. Celine Dion from the movie Titanic. This is what our podcast is all about. It was number one for 16 weeks. She won an Oscar. She won a Grammy. This song won everything. It was an unstoppable juggernaut. It's my number one. And I mean, at the time, too, that was the number one film of all time. Oh, yeah. Like, it was it, just it, so it huge. It won everything it could possibly win. It, it was again, not my personal favorite song as much as I can respect its its music, but you can't do a list like this and not mm-hmm. have this song on the list. And I honestly couldn't put it anywhere other than number one. It, yeah. it is the biggest song from the biggest movie of all time. And funny enough, when James Cameron was making the movie and then it came down to the point where, OK, we got to get a song. He was like, I don't want anyone famous. I don't want anyone that's like that's a well-known name to do the, a song. I want, you know, to be kind of like an unknown kind of thing. I don't want it to overshadow the film. The film is big on its own. It doesn't need a big song. And then. You know, they came to him and said, well, we, we got this Celine Dion song. And he's like, no, that's not what I want until he heard it. He heard it and he was like, wow, that's it. That's it. And he knew and good for him because it certainly was. Okay. So my number one, uh, don't you forget about me from The Breakfast Club. 1985. So if we go back, sorry, I don't remember that song. <laughs> if we if we go back in time to our very first episode of this podcast back in July of 2016, Yancey and I did an episode setting up the podcast where we talked about the key pop culture moments from our respective generations, and I mentioned how this song is like the representative song of Generation X, and I also absolutely, I, absolutely. I, 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 I believe it is. And I also feel that The Breakfast Club is the defining film for Generation X. So the fact that they're both connected is just something else. And whenever I hear this song, I immediately think of the movie, and as does everybody else. Yeah, for And sure. the movie wouldn't be the same without this song in it. They Agreed. just go together so perfectly. And I was racking my brain to come up with a better combination of a movie and a song, and I just couldn't. And I just could not do it. And Let me point you to my number one that we just previously yeah, discussed. Yeah, I, I thought of that, but I just, this one though, in, again, you know, I'm more of an 80s guy. And I know sometimes, Derek, you think I just give these textbook answers, but I, I just cannot no. think of you, a better you need example. need to give the textbook for this one. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. This is a textbook answer and much like my previous one, also a textbook answer. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And if I I knew this would be on your list, which is the big reason why I didn't put it on mine. I I just knew I didn't know it'd be your number one. I figured it probably was, but yeah, you're I agree with everything you've said. This is an excellent example of what we're talking about in every bit as much as the one that I just made. It it if does. More. It, it has everything. I mean, it speaks to the theme of the film. The message of the movie is you know, perfectly captured by the song and vice versa too. They just both go so well together. And and, and interestingly enough, Simple Minds weren't originally going to do this song. They didn't write it. A music producer wrote the song and he was shopping it around. 
and Billy Idol and Brian Ferry both passed on it. And some people wanted uh, Corey Hart, the Canadian, to record this song. But the producer just, he didn't think he was that Corey Hart was just quite right for the song. And the producer actually liked this band, Simple Minds. And the band was, they didn't want to have anything to do with it. They were insisting on doing their own material at the time. They were from the UK, but they weren't having much success breaking into the US market. So then they finally sort of begrudgingly agreed to do the song. And the rest is history. You know, like it's just song is just so good. The movie's so good. So that's my number one. Nice, nice. That's it's a good pick. I want to uh, circle back something you just mentioned about yes. Corey Hart. Oh, so you Corey mentioned Hart, Corey yes. Hart was oh, one yes. of the possible things. So it's funny. Again, I've been listening to a lot of eighties music this week, more than normal. And uh, I actually looked up Corey Hart in Wikipedia earlier this week, and mm-hmm. I was shocked to see that he was actually offered the role of Marty McFly in Back to the Future, and he turned it down because he knew he wasn't a good enough actor, and he wanted to focus on music. Wow. Do you believe that? Do you believe how the different Back to the Future would have been if Corey Hart was Marty McFly? I know. And then they ended up bringing in um, Eric Stoltz and that didn't work out either. And they had to end up going with uh, with um, Michael J. Fox with another Canadian. They went with Michael J. Fox and uh, arguably his best performance and uh, his biggest movie for sure. Yeah. But I never knew that. I never knew that about uh, Corey Hart. No, I didn't know that either. I'm like, hey, you you can't always trust what you read on the internet, but I, I mean, I believe it. So. Thanks. Right or wrong, that's where we are. So yeah, your number one pick, Breakfast Club. My number one pick, Titanic. I think those are both strong picks, yep. and I, they're both textbook answers. But ah. uh, I think I think in this case, uh, our our hearts have led us from two, five to two, and at number one, we just went with the, the textbook, and they're both great songs. Yeah, and, and and like so, they are the textbook answers. I agree with you, but a lot of the other ones weren't. They were like personal stuff that I just you know like, and maybe you know I think even surprised you with the Footloose one, but. Um, but overall, great list. It was, it was, it was a lot harder to do. It was very, very difficult. Yeah. My, my number six that didn't quite make the list was I had the time of my life from dirty dancing. Again, not my favorite song, definitely not my favorite movie, but that's another one where just the song is so iconic to the movie. And it was like, it just, it got, it was, it was on the list until about an hour before we recorded. So there's a lot of good picks that could have easily made the list. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that one. Cause I said to my wife before I, I came down here into the studio, I said, you know, I'm recording the podcast. We're doing it on uh, you know movie songs. Well, I, so I asked her, I said, what, what is your favorite song from a movie of all time? And she said, dirty dancing. I've had the time of my life. So yeah, there you go. You know, it doesn't really surprise me, but anyway, just tell her it was on my list. We know she doesn't. Exactly. She'll be, she'll be, she, well, you know, she always seems to back you up more than me on, on, on our picks. So I'm, I'm sure she'll like that. Okay. So, uh, what do you say? We have some fun with caveman. All right. So some of the best songs in movies, Derek come during the opening credits, right? But okay. however, some of the best songs also come during the closing credits. And Agreed. some songs are actually used in both the opening and the closing credits. So here's the game that we're going to play. Not often, but yes, yep. you're right. Yes. Here's the game that we're going to play. So Derek, okay. I'm going to mention okay. a song. I know where this is going. This is going to be difficult. Yeah, I'm, keep I'm going. Gonna, it's, it's easy. I'm gonna, you get easy choices. I'm going to mention the song and the movie it comes from. And okay. you have to tell me if the song is from the opening credits, the closing credits, or both. Boy. Okay. Now, it doesn't include a lot more difficult. Than... I'm not going to, this doesn't include any instrumental versions of the song either. Okay. Okay. It's got to be the song itself. Okay. Okay. So the actual song, it just can't be like a little bit of an instrumental piece of the song. So it's, it's the whole song. Okay. Yep. Super easy. Fire away. Easy. Right. Okay. Here we go. Lethal weapon from lethal weapon in 1987. 
That's just at the end. It is just in the closing credits. You are correct. It's Honeymoon Sweet, man. I'm not going to screw up that answer. Exactly. Good Canadian band. Okay. Yep. Footloose. From Footloose in 1984. Opening credits, closing credits, or both? I got to be honest. I haven't actually seen Footloose start to finish in Whoa. like 30 years. Oh, okay. Uh... I honestly don't remember it being at the beginning, so I'm going to just, I'm going to say just the end. No, it's just at the opening. Remember with all the feet, all the feet moving? No, I I, I honestly, I don't remember. Oh my goodness. Okay. Here's a, here's one that we just absolutely love. A movie that you and I both love. We did a full length commentary on this movie on Caddyshack from 1980. I'm all right. Is it in the opening credits, the closing credits or both? It's definitely in the opening credits because it's the groundhog doing the little dance. Yes, he is. Uh, ooh, the end. Um, oh, I think it's probably used at the end because I can't remember any other songs for the movie. I mean, I, there was the – I think they did a Journey song on Rodney Dangerfield's little radio. But yep. I'm going to say just the beginning. No, it's both. Damn it. I knew it was. Yeah, it comes in the end as well. Okay, here's one that you mentioned earlier in the podcast so far from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, 1985. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they definitely use that in the closing credits when Rooney's on the bus. Uh, I just got to think of how the movie begins. Uh, The movie is. No, the opening song for that one was uh, Love Missile F11, F111, which is not by not that. So definitely just the closing. You are correct. It's just in the closing credits. It's scary the kind of useless knowledge I have I for some of these things. All right. Here's one that I don't think you're going to know, but I got to challenge you with this one. Sure. Science fiction double feature from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Opening credits, closing credits, or both? I'm going to say just the opening. You are correct. Good guess. Yeah, because I remember the ending and I couldn't remember the beginning. So that was my guess. Yeah. The beginning is the lips singing the song. Okay. Yes. You're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. If you were here by the Thompson twins from 16 Candles, opening credits, closing credits, or both? Wow. Uh, I'm trying to think of how that movie starts and finishes. Finishes with her, with the two of them sitting on the counter with the birthday cake and they kiss and then it fades to black and... Uh, what was the name of the song again? If You Were Here by the Thompson so, Twins. Uh, I honestly don't remember how that movie starts. I mean, they're, it's, they're all hectic for the wedding. And oh, if I – oh, man. I'm going to say just the beginning. No, it's just the closing credits when she's kissing him. I can't even think the of the song. I'd have to hear it. Oh, you would know it if but you were you here. Title, when you gave me the title, I thought, well, that doesn't sound like something you would sing when you when you get what you want. That I know. It sounds like something at the beginning where you would be like, you know, if you were here. I know. It's such a disconnect. Trick because question, the, man. Trick, the song doesn't, a party. Trick I know. Question. The song doesn't seem to fit the end of the movie, but it just works so, so well. Okay. This is a movie that we uh, covered on the podcast before. Fight the Power. From Do the Right Thing. Opening credits, closing credits, or both? Well, definitely definitely opening credits because you got the Rosie Perez boxing mm-hmm. dancing. Correct. So that definitely the opening. How do the ending credits go? Uh, hmm. You know what? They use that song so often in the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would stop for the end credits. I think they're going to use it in both. The closing credits were Never Explain Love by Al Jarreau. All right, incorrect. I've only ever seen the movie the one time, and, mm-hmm. and yeah. 
Here's a song that, uh, or a movie that we talked about earlier uh, with The Graduate, The Sound of Silence. It's definitely the, the end. Uh, again, I've only seen The Graduate like once or twice. I'm going to say just the end. No, it's actually both. Remember at the beginning, he's working, he's moving along on the people mover. I don't the remember plane? the beginning uh, at all. Yeah, so it's both. I'm trying to block that out. I didn't care yeah. for the movie. All right. Well, you, this here's one that you mentioned as your favorite song in a movie of all time, which was My Heart Will Go On from Titanic. Is it the beginning opening credits closing credits or both well i'm trying to think how does the movie start the movie starts in the present day i don't think they use the lyrics at the beginning i think it was just the instrumental and based on your rules that (laughs) wouldn't count so i'm gonna say just the ending good interpretation of the rules Yes, because they used an instrumental version at the beginning. Yeah. But it's just at the end when you actually hear the song. So very, very good. Okay. Stand By Me from Stand By Me. Absolutely in the end credits. Absolutely. Because the credits, it's like he finishes writing the book. He goes out in the yard to play with the kids. Stand By Me is playing as the credits roll. That I remember 100%. You are 100% correct. Very good. Very good. Okay, the last one that I have for you here is a more recent film. So you should be able to get this. Iron Man from Iron Man in 2008. Just the end, because at the beginning it's Back in Black by uh, ACDC, but the end is Iron Man. You are incorrect. It was in both. No, you're wrong. Am I wrong? Challenge. I'm challenging. Official challenge. I'm getting challenged on this You are wrong. I did some research. I even looked on YouTube and I got the opening. You are wrong, and I'm... We'll, I'm challenging, and on next week's episode, you will make an official correction and apology for having that one wrong. Hey, we've got questions wrong before, but yeah, but wrong. and the thing is, anything that happens after 1989, I don't know anyway, so I got to look it up. So I wouldn't know. So you're you're probably right. So maybe I screwed that one up. So Iron Man is just a closing credits. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yep. At the beginning, he's in the limo. Pardon me. He's in the hum the the fun V, and they're taking the selfies. And it's ACDC, and I want to say it's Back in Black, and then the and then it, you know he gets blown up, and then they're like six days earlier or whatever, which I hate that trope, but that's the way it works. They don't play the actual song Iron Man. It's Black Sabbath, right? Does Iron Man? Yeah, yeah. They don't play it until the very end credits. I a hundred percent know that for sure. I'm, official challenge. We'll look it up. We'll, we'll get it right for next week. Yeah, no, it's definitely Black Sabbath when Ozzy was there. So, okay, well, you're probably right. Like I say, it happened after the 80s. So how am I supposed to know it? I just try and do some research <laughs> on this. But the other ones, you know, you didn't you did, you did do great, you yeah. know, but it's all good. The ones I, well, I think the challenge was in some cases I knew one or the other, but I didn't necessarily, like, it's like, I know it's opening, but I didn't know the closing. So then I had to guess, is it just mm-hmm. the one? Yeah. But well, no, that's good. I, uh, that was I knew that would be challenging, and it certainly was. There were very few that I knew with absolute certainty. Well, and I was going to originally just do, is it in the opening credits or the closing credits? And I thought, it's just 50-50. You just get a guess at all these. I thought, let's make it more challenging. Let's find ones that maybe were in both, you know, yep. just to make it more fun. Oh, okay, so uh, next show. So last, the last couple movies we've had have been yours. Now, we usually alternate, and uh, you do one and I do one, but, you know, the last one... We did Alien, and then I liked it so much you did Aliens, so you took that one. So it's my, anyway, it's my movie next. So okay, I, fine. I'll give, you, I'll give you that. I'm going to go back to 1988, as I want to do. And a little bit of a surprise, maybe, but I would like you to, okay. to watch this again and come back, and let's review 1988's Big with Tom Hanks. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
trying to think. When was the last time I saw this? So this is one that's on TV somewhat regularly, uh, but I always seem to catch like just parts of it. I never get to see the whole movie from start to finish. This is one of those ones where I always seem to jump in when he becomes big. I don't really remember a lot of the not big parts at the beginning. So, so you don't think you've ever seen it like from beginning no, no, to I've end? I've definitely seen it yeah. the full way through, but I, I really don't remember the very – like probably the – how long do you think it takes from to sort of – he makes the wish he goes big, what, like 15 minutes, yeah, 20 minutes, probably 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's that first 20 minutes that I, I don't really remember very well. And then sort of towards the end, once, once, uh, he's, he becomes a little bit more established as a grown up. he starts taking on grown up responsibilities. I started like, eh, I'm out. And then I don't watch the last 20 minutes. So I'll sit down and watch the whole thing. And the beginning and the end will both be sort of new to me again. I was sort of inspired to do this because I took my kids to this ice cream place uh, that was down in the, 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 the Toronto area, and it had a Zoltar machine in it. Nice. And I was like, oh, my God, look at this Zoltar machine. That's so cool. And they're like, you know, of course, they're like, what's a Zoltar machine? What is that? And I said, oh, it's from this movie, Big. And then so my wife and I were discussing, like, I'm not 100% sure because it's been 25 years since I've seen this movie or 30 years. So I can't remember if it would be appropriate to me, for me to let my 10-year-old watch this movie or not. I think there was one scene that was kind of sexually based with him and Elizabeth McGovern's character, but I, I, I'd have to kind of look into that. But uh, I, I'd really like my son to watch it too, so we got to try and figure that out. But uh, anyway, I thought it would be a good movie to pick. I was inspired by the Zoltar machine. So yeah, I thought, nice. Good yeah, pick. Watch, yeah, watch big and we'll come back and we'll talk about it. I think it's something that you know people enjoy to kind of revisit anyway. But uh, until then, you can reach us on Twitter, as I mentioned at the top of the show, at Amaron underscore DM. That's for Derek, at C. McBrien. That's me. PopGoesYourWorld.com is where our uh, website is. All our contact information, you can reach out to us. We'll answer those emails. But in the meantime, this is Chris McBrien for Derek Byers saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.